Welcome to the Good Shepherd and the Child podcast, where we explore the spirituality of the Christian child through the method of the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. I am your host, Carrie Mecki Lozano. Today, we have a very unique episode that I'm really excited to share with you. So Mary Marioni, who is our National Director of the United States Association of Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, she joins me in a conversation with Ruth Ahart, who is a South African traditional midwife, and she partners with Karen Slayball, who we had on the podcast back in June to talk about Adela Kostinyoki. And so Ruth and Karen partnered up to create this really beautiful course called The Basic Needs of Babies that Mary and I both took in preparation for the work with the infant toddler work for Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. There were many, many, many things in that course that we could isolate and talk about with you. But one of the things that we wanted to sit and ponder with is this idea of the hormone of oxytocin, the love hormone. And what is this hormone? But also, how does this hormone connect to and relate to our work in the atrium with children and with God. I hope you enjoy. Ruth and Mary, welcome to the Good Shepherd and the Child podcast. Thank you, Carrie. Thank you so much. Would each of you tell us a little bit about who you are? Ruth, since this is the first time that you've been on the podcast, I would love for you to start. Mm, well, thank you. I feel really honored to be here. So my name is Ruth Ehart, and I am a mother <clears throat> and a midwife and the daughter of a midwife and um, the author of a little book called The Basic Needs of a Woman in Labor. And um, I live in South Africa. This is where I live and work and raise my <laughs> raise my children. <laughs> mm. We had the beautiful privilege of meeting you when we did the Basic Needs of Babies course with Karen, who we had on the podcast just a month or two ago. Mm. That has been such a gift. And I love your book. I got your book. and Yes, me too. It's so beautiful and essential. And, and I shared it with my midwife and told her that this is exactly what, what a good birthing class should all encompass. Essential and right to the point. I love it. Thank you for that gift. Thank you. Mary, would you like to share a little bit about yourself? Yes. And um, I, I want to join with you, Carrie, because we were both in that course together um, just in, in thanking you, Ruth, um, because that, that Montessori for Life um, basic needs of babies really, um, I want to say both the content and the container just fed my my life, my spirit um, so deeply and so richly that I am very, very grateful. And I think, you know, just sits within um, or sits with, you know, this spirit that we have with our work with children yes. in Catechesis mm-hmm. of the Good Shepherd. Um, I am also a, um, a mother and a daughter and a grandmother. I delight in being a grandmother. I've I've been a catechist in the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd for, uh, oh, I think it's 33 years now. Um, I coordinated the work in my parish as it grew from a small farm 
farming community to a, a large suburb. Um, I've been the association, Catechesis of the Good Shepherds uh, United States Association National Director for the past 13 years, and I delight in being um, a catechist in all the levels that we have, but particularly with the infant-toddler um, group that we have now. I've, I've been in with the littlest ones for the past five years and mm. um, really am amazed, astonished and amazed mm. at um, who they are and the joy of being with them and with their, their parents. Thank you. Thank you both. So one of the topics of the many topics that came up for us in the Basic Needs of Babies course is this this topic of oxytocin. And as we pondered it more and more, we realized what a powerful hormone it is, but also its place in our work with children. And so we wanted to bring Ruth on the podcast to explain what is oxytocin and just kind of explore that question of how does this hormone affect our work in the catechesis of the Good Shepherd? So Ruth, would you tell us a start? Just what is it? What is oxytocin? Well, oxytocin um, is very simply put to the love hormone. And um, I mean, I work with it very much in relation to pregnancy and birth. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, it definitely starts to uh, be cultivated in, in the pregnancy. So when the mother is um, pregnant and, you know, growing her baby, um, one of the things that starts to happen um, is that yeah, she starts to prepare for the birth, and and will definitely you'll definitely notice that as a as a pregnancy progresses, especially towards the end of of a pregnancy, that women will often you know say, oh, they've got a, I've got a bit of a pregnant brain, you know, they start, start to become forgetful mm-hmm. of that, and um, and that's actually um, one of the things that that oxytocin actually requires is for the brain not to be or the thinking brain not to be functioning too much. Um, it's actually a bit of an inhibitor for for oxytocin. And, and there's a softening that starts to happen um, in, in the mother emotionally as well as she starts to prepare to to meet her child. And um, oxytocin is the is the hormone that that brings the surges, the contractions um, mm. in labour. Um, it is the um, it is the hormone that the mother releases immediately after birth. Um, and in fact, that is the time when a woman will release the most oxytocin that. Um, she will ever release in her entire life is the is the moment after birth in the in the in the hour after birth when she's meeting her child, and all mammals do this, um, and that's what bonds us to to our children, um, and it is the hormone that is released during breastfeeding. It, it, it's what allows for what people call the letdown reflex for the milk to flow, and um, you know I know of of women for example who have gone b- back to work, um, you know, a month or two or three or four after um, uh, g- giving birth, and then they're needing to, um, let's say, pump milk at work, and they're struggling mm-hmm. to do that. And 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 one of the ways that they, they support themselves in doing that is actually by, you know, uh, placing a picture of their child in front of them, and they would see the picture of their child, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. their milk is able to flow because, because oxytocin is mm-hmm. able to be released. Um, yeah, so it's very much the bonding hormone. It's the, uh, you know, it's also released when we're when we're eating a delicious meal or when we're with a group mm-hmm. of people that um, 
makes us just feel like we belong um you know our communities our families um it's the it's the hormone that's released during love making during orgasm um yeah so it, you know it 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 pops up in 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 all um kind of uh, lovely aspects right. of life shall i say right. <laughs> i <laughs> No pun intended. I love this hormone. And (laughs) I find it so fascinating because I feel like it explains a lot of things, you know, especially when you're aware of it. Mm. I have taught all of my children about oxytocin and especially my teenagers, like I always (laughs) kind of joke with them because they're very aware of what this hormone is. Because I also feel like that it helps understand our bodies, but also understand sex and why sex is so important um, and Mm. why it's not a casual thing because when you bond to somebody on this deep Mm. level through the hormone of oxytocin um, there's a reason why you have bonded to this person there's a reason why it's Mm. it's a unique thing that is happening and so I love this idea that right after birth you know you've just gone through this insane intense beautiful thing and the the object that has quote unquote caused it, you are now madly in love with because you have had this huge surge of mm. oxytocin. God is so good in how He has created that um, connection right then. And no wonder, like right after birth, it you almost start to forget <laughs> the the intensity of what you just Absolutely. experienced, and it's because of this this beautiful hormone. Mm. One of the things that came up in the in our course that I liked is um, we read an article about. Hugging for 20 seconds, a good hug increases oxytocin. It's like, oh, that's good. I need to give longer hugs. Exactly. It does make us think just about how do we establish connection and and are we actually doing it enough? And and are we actually allowing, you know, do we have practices in place that actually allow for oxytocin to flow more in our lives and in our families' lives? Yeah. And through appreciation, it can just be done through language as well, just by being practicing gratitude and appreciating one another. Um, yeah, so it is a it's a it is a very special hormone and one we should definitely cultivate. Well, can you speak into that? What are some ways that we can cultivate it? Well, I think the, the you know using the the language of appreciation, um, you know, with um, with our loved ones, with our work colleagues, I think. Um, you know, the way the world is set up and, you know, you see it with social media, it's, it's <laughs> like just the thought of social media. I really just feel a pit yes. like forming yes. in my stomach. It's just this, this, um, this habit to tear each, of, of tearing each other down and of criticizing and, and, you know, um, whereas if we, if we could get into a habit of actually just looking at what is there to appreciate and love in this particular situation. And I think, um, one of the things that, um, you know, I've learned to cultivate and, um, and really do as part of my care in the pregnancy is to cultivate oxytocin in the mother by appreciating her, by loving her, by making her laugh. And it's not done in a, in a superficial way. It's a genuine, um, getting to know her, listening to her, like understanding her and, and, um, understanding her family, understanding their cultural practices, what their needs are, what their dreams are, how they're wanting to bring this child into the world. How do they want to welcome this child into the world? And so every time we meet, you know, there's a there's an opportunity for deep listening, appreciation, loving, 
um, love, you know, just, just loving her, but also loving touch so that when I am interacting with her, whether it's taking a blood pressure or touching her belly, it's all done in a way that settles her nervous system and really makes mm. her feel loved. <laughs> and it's, it, 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 it kind of sounds a little bit like very simple, but it's not something we receive on a daily basis, especially in professional interactions you know like everything could be quite cold and professional and 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 separate and um whereas you know something as personal as as creating a family being a family becoming a family you know to have the to be able to firstly have the honor of um being able to be included in that you know as the midwife or as the caregiver or as the doula or as the postpartum person, um, is, a, is, is an honor. And, it, and I feel like I need to really treat it as such. Um, but, but what a wonderful thing to be able to, yeah, you know, uh, support the, the pregnant woman in being able to cultivate that in herself. So instead of coming away from an antenatal checkup, worrying about her blood pressure or worrying about the size of her baby or worrying about, because that's often what happens is that women right. come away from their antenatal checks always with an issue. And that's what they spend the, the next month or whatever it is, the next two weeks um, worrying about or thinking about. Whereas what I really try to do is to, um, yeah, create a, a culture where um, she comes away from her antenatal check really feeling, like I said, firstly loved, but also just feeling like quite sure of herself, like trusting herself, trusting her body, trusting her baby, having a connection with her baby, I think is also very important. And then the other thing that I try to encourage as well is is that she practices self-care which is not easy I mean it's, it's easier in the first pregnancy but the more children mm-hmm. we have the harder that is but you know it, it, they're just small things that we can make space for in our day that reminds us that we matter and it, it really can be a small thing like you know, being able to drink out of your favorite, your, your favorite tea out of your favorite <laughs> mug <laughs> or, um, you know, just, you know, and, and being able to possibly have that undisturbed or, you know, if, to be able to go for a walk barefoot on the sand if you live near the sea or whatever it might be to just um, cultivate something in your, in, um, in your own day that says back to you that you matter and, um yeah, and then again, that's very unique for each person because what you know, for some people, it's it's about being social. For some people, it's about being alone. For some people, it's about you know um, maybe you know doing something like having your nails done or going to a movie. For other people, it's it's spending time in nature. So again, it's 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 different for each person. But um, yeah, what brings you joy? What brings you happy? And it's it's nurturing that within us, right? I mean, like you say, it, it's different for different people, but mm-hmm. but the the sense that it needs to be nurtured and and not ignored, which means also it needs to be understood, like like you know to to recognize the gift that it is for us, because um, doesn't it also? Um, I'm not even sure how to pose this question, Ruth, but like how it is, how it it is within the mother will be also how it will be for the child, right? I mean, um, like if it's not accessed, um, 
then what? You know what I mean? Then it, it's not something easily accessed within the child either, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I, I can't say for sure because I don't, I don't, I don't remember necessarily sure. that for myself when I was in utero. But I think we definitely um, need to grow a culture of really taking care of pregnant women because yes. mm-hmm. of exactly that, because of the direct impact it has on on the baby. And I think in many ways, babies are cushioned from like the, the 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 true harsh reality of the 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 outside world just by the fact that they're in this enclosed warm um space you know in the amniotic fluid it's dark they're close to this heartbeat there's this there's a there's a regularity and a rhythm that they um um sense of safety that babies are held in just purely because they're within their mother and they're so part of her there's that real sense of belonging um but absolutely i think we you know, just across the world, I think we have just so lost um, a culture of really honoring, revering, understanding and taking care of of, of um, pregnant women mm-hmm. and new mothers. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, just mm-hmm. the amount of, you know, new mothers who have to leave their children from very, very young in order to, you know, um, go and work just as mm-hmm. it's heartbreaking. It's, it's absolutely yes. heartbreaking. Um, and so... Yeah, I mean, I think if I was to, you know, send a message out to the world or want to teach anything, it really is that um, that better understanding of um, yes, really revering and honouring pregnant women and 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 early motherhood and and early babyhood. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, a long time ago, like. I want to say 14 years ago when my son was a baby, I listened to a talk and I will always be sad that I can't remember who the doctor was and what the talk was called in order to reference it properly. But I listened to a talk and the doctor said, if we wanted to invest in the future of our world, we should make pregnant women happy Mm -hmm. because he was talking Mm -hmm. about the effect that happiness in a pregnant woman, peace in a pregnant woman, oxytocin in a pregnant woman, mm-hmm. and how it affects the the biology, physiology, psycholo- psychology, all of that of both the mother and the baby. Um, so, yeah, Gosh. if we wanted to invest in the future of our world, make pregnant women happy. See, it seems so simple. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> But our world, our world is so different. I mean, I, I mean, I go back, you know, 45 years um, Mm. to the birth of my first daughter. And and now with them all having children of their own, my my daughters really think that I was a a hippie that I, I mean, I really did have a very (laughs) beautiful experience. And I didn't have a lot of information. I had some, um, you know, uh, Lamas and such, but really, um, it was a very beautiful experience. I remember, I remember, um, I will never forget that I didn't know what it was, that it was a flood of oxytocin, but I mm. remember when my first was born and placed in my arms, my, my, my doctor and my husband thought I was crazy because I just said, oh, it's a baby. Yeah. But that was just like, I had no words because I was so flooded and full. And, yeah. and for my daughters, I've always been sad because there's so much information out there for them. They did actually spend a lot of time worrying through the pregnancy. You know what I mean? Like they just, 
I, I always felt like so much that was out there was telling them, you don't know what you're doing, you're doing it all mm. wrong. And that just took away from this, you know, incredible, beautiful gift. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Ruth, could you speak into how we can create environments? Like what physically does an environment look like that fosters more oxytocin? Specifically for birth. Well, let's go with birth, but I bet it also applies like the the environment that yes, for birth, I think we could also say is probably very similar to any other environment where we want to mm. foster oxytocin. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think for for birth specifically, um, I think it, it, you know the the situation is is, is quite acute, and so <laughs> so it's 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 maybe a more more obvious one, but actually a very good example of how you would create that is you know the example of lovemaking or the example mm-hmm. of um, you know needing to go to the to the lavatory or even trying to go to sleep and all of those mm-hmm. are involuntary functions they are all situations that actually work better the less we do and the more we try to make them happen the less they want to happen and you know, and they and they and they actually require you know certain environmental factors to be in place in order for them to just happen spontaneously, and so that's why bathrooms. You know, we close the door and we we create an environment for ourselves where we're comfortable, and we don't like to be interrupted. Poor mothers, you know, kind of have to <laughs> figure out how to do that. But you know, we all know people who can't go unless they're in their own home and. And, you know, with lovemaking as well, it's a, it's a certain environment that needs to be a place, certain person who has to be present. Um, it can't just happen anywhere or with anyone. And, you know, and we definitely can't do it with a bunch of observers around. And, um, and it's the same with falling asleep. You know, we can't have bright lighting. We couldn't have somebody standing over us, you know, shouting at us to, to go to sleep. It just wouldn't work. And so it's very interesting that we've you know, we've, we've created these environments for birth where we're trying to force something to happen, which actually requires us to step back and almost guard the process, protect the process. And like if I was to describe the personality of oxytocin, <clears throat> it would be a shy you know, it has a shy mm-hmm. personality. It's, it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's the child that is very confident within their family environment, but the moment a visitor arrives becomes very, very shy, you know, and kind of hides behind their mother's skirt. That's, mm-hmm. that's kind of how I imagine um, oxytocin or, a, or um, a friend of mine has cats who also are super playful when it's just her, um, but I've actually hardly ever seen them because whenever there's a visitor, <laughs> they hide behind the mm-hmm. cupboard. Mm-hmm. But I, I have seen videos of them playing, so I know it's true. <laughs> um, and so oxytocin is just something that's actually quite magical because it really does require for us to trust that it does work. And, but it really, you know, like that child, like those cats, it requires that, that sense of safety, that sense of just absolute belonging and just being able to let go. Um, and so that's why, you know, earlier on I was speaking about the, the thinking brain needing to be switched off. 
So similar to sleep and similar to lovemaking and similar to needing to go to the loo, it's not something we can think about. Like the more we think about it, the more we think about trying to make it happen, actually the, the less likely it is to happen. And so oxytocin, you know, just like when you, when you spoke about the example of a hug, like initially a hug can be a little bit awkward, you know, and it can be, um, yeah, it can feel a bit weird. But then when those 20 seconds have elapsed, that's when we start to kind of settle into it and we're comfortable and the brain actually starts to quieten down. We're not thinking about it so much anymore because our bodies are now responding to, to that sense of safety, that sense of belonging. And um, so, yeah, the, the thinking brain is the one thing that can, can really stand in the way. So like a lot of talking, especially talking, which stimulates the thinking brain, you know, like asking about um, how long somebody has been in labor for, or, um, you know, how many centimeters or is she, you know, these are all quite um, also adrenalizing questions. And adrenaline is a, <clears throat> is another factor we want to, we want to keep away from oxytocin because they have a, they have an antagonistic relationship. So when, somebody is charged, when somebody is angry, when somebody is um, anxious, uh, these can all be suppressants for, for oxytocin. And so it's, it's, yeah. it's very important that if we're in a space where we're trying to cultivate oxytocin, if somebody is feeling angry or somebody is feeling anxious, that we work with that because we can't, you know, it, it, it can't be allowed to continue in that environment if we want oxytocin to to flourish. And oxytocin also doesn't like to be observed. Um, so it's mm. a to kind of keep eyes eyes low. You know, as a as a as a as a birth attendant, you know, I really see myself more as a birth guardian. And so right. it's really about kind of keeping the wrong elements out. Um, embodying uh, a sense of safety, you know, in terms of what I hold in my body as well. Like I have to be quite aware of where I am at, you know, where is my head, where is my heart, where is my body, what, 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 what am I bringing into the space? Uh, you know, mm -hmm. I'm not, um, I'm not nothing, you know, I, I, I am an element in the environment. And so <clears throat> I have to be very, I really have to, as a birth attendant, cultivate in myself like low, low levels of adrenaline and and also, you know, kind of dull my own thinking a little bit and almost kind of bring quite a a sleepy um, uh, feeling into into the space. And oxytocin, like if I walk into, you know, a house and a woman is in strong labor, you know, even if even before I hear her, I can feel when there's a lot of oxytocin in the in the mm. space. And it's got this very mushy, very lovely, almost soupy feel to it. Um, you know, I would describe it as like very strong life force. Like, it, like you can definitely feel it when you when you step into an environment where oxytocin is flowing strongly. And it also always makes me a little bit sleepy, um, which I find interesting. It's almost like it's 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 forcing my thinking brain to kind of <laughs> be a little bit suppressed. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Mm. I hope that answers your it does. Question. No, it does in such a beautiful way. Yeah, and it brings a a, a question to mind because as you speak, I think about being in the atrium environment um, with the children. But you know, being so with being with like three year olds or even eighteen month olds, mm -hmm. like 
um, because you said something about, well, you didn't say silence, but we do cultivate silence within these environments. And I, I feel like, I don't know if I feel sleepy in it, but like that, that feeling that you're speaking of Ruth, like I feel like I have um, participated in that, mm-hmm. maybe not to the degree as in a birthing situation, but in, in an atrium environment that, and particularly with maybe some of the presentations we have, or just even the silence exercises that we might do, mm-hmm. um, that the children, like they really settle so beautifully into that. They become like gentler and sweeter and more loving. Like, like there's some presentations that might be really big, but then when we go to work after, there's like, like you can feel the love. I mean, I, that's how I think about it. You can feel the love in this room, mm-hmm. yeah. you know? Um, like I think Montessori talked about this after the experiment in Barcelona with the atrium where she talked about an inner sensitivity that she called like the religious sense or the spiritual sense. Mm-hmm. And of course, See, then for me, I think, well, okay, but with oxytocin, we're talking about our bodies, but yet how is our spirit like also contributing or working with like, because that's what we are, right? We're, we're body, mind, and soul, like we're Mm -hmm. one and, and how, you know, how amazing are we made, Mm -hmm. you know, rooted physically rooted and grounded in love from the moment we enter into this world, Mm. you know, and can we make that um, time and space for the mother and child? Mm. I mean, we, in Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, we put a lot of time into preparing a spiritual environment, a religious environment for the children where Mm. they come, you know, for two hours a week. And we put a lot of work into that. And then I think, oh my goodness, like, shouldn't we be doing that for every child that enters into the world, mm-hmm. for every mother? Um, because isn't that even so much more from the beginning important that we know this love that we can access, like, we're made to love each other? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? I love this. I. I think that's why I'm so drawn to this as a topic for us, because I feel like everything that you were describing, Ruth, maybe not every little detail, because it is specific to birth, right. but an environment that fosters oxytocin, an environment that fosters this hormone that creates bonds and relationship, mm-hmm. and how similar that is to what we are trying to do in the environment with the children, which with their relationship with God, the darker lights for it not to be overstimulating, you know, like we want it to be simple and mm. beautiful. Mm. We want it to be quiet. You know, it's not perfectly quiet, but it's so calm. Mm-hmm. And just like what you were describing with the birth and how you can feel the oxytocin, just like Mary said, I, you can, you can feel. I mean, I didn't know it was oxytocin. Like sure. I didn't, you know what I mean? It just, mm-hmm. but I, when you speak of it, I say, yeah, I know that. Yeah. And how beautiful. So that means that that's oxytocin that's bonding the people in the room with God. That's what's happening in that room. Absolutely. So fostering how how for us to be conscious, I think, of this love hormone, this bonding Mm -hmm. hormone as we're preparing our environment, both physically, like 
putting things on walls and stuff, but also on a daily basis. How am I preparing this environment before the children arrive and while the children are there that creates an oxytocin-rich environment? Like mm. that, like you were saying about adrenaline. Like I always imagine it like a seesaw, right? So if, mm-hmm. how do I keep the adrenaline low in this atrium so that the oxytocin can increase and then there can be bonding, a relationship growth between the humans in the room and God? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's, it's a fascinating thought. I love it. Yeah. I mean, when you were speaking about preparing the environment now, I mean, there are so many things that have been popping into my head while you've both, both been speaking. I mean, we could have this conversation for hours, mm. I think. <laughs> um, but um, it was just reminding me of when my children were, were little and, um, and, you know, I was homeschooling and Montessori homeschooling. And, you know, our home was very much you know, a prepared environment for them. Um, I think much more for them than than it was for the adults. Actually, <laughs> but there were those days where I would get so um, kind of frustrated and fixated on you know doing it right, and I could feel that there was this tension building up inside me, and I could just feel that I was just going to actually mess it all up. And those were the days where it was best for us to just go and sit in the garden and just mm. be together yes. in the garden in nature. And it was just always such a good reminder of that that we were the environment you know actually and that it was about our relationships and our connections and about taking care of each other and our communication and and mm, all of that, I love that. and um and yeah, just, we are the environment. Yeah, we are. We are so much. And I think that's exactly, you know, it, it goes back to when we take care of pregnant mothers because she is the environment for the for the child that she is growing. And again, mm-hmm. you know, in the immediate postpartum phase as well, I mean, my sister's just given birth to twins two weeks ago, oh, two little girls, beautiful birth. How wonderful. Yeah, it's so mm. wonderful. <laughs> it was such a special mm-hmm. birth. And at the moment, she's just... I'm so proud of her because she's just, she's just, you know, really embodying being with these babies, but she's also just got really good support, you know, and a friend has moved in um, and is just doing everything. She's just, it's an old childhood friend and she's cooking and she's cleaning and she's just making it possible for my sister to just be with these babies. And it just can just really see what a difference it makes because she's just able to love them and feed them and sleep with them and just bring them that sense of, belonging you know which is the imprint we want to give to every new human on this planet that's right and that's what oxytocin Mm -hmm. does it gives us that sense Mm -hmm. of i belong and if we can if we can cultivate that in every child (laughs) that goes Mm -hmm. out into the world i mean it would just it would it would transform humanity and the world i agree yeah. Yes. Is anybody else imagining like fairy dust, du- like oxytocin? You just want to spread it like fairy dust. Just be like, <laughs> you're going down the grocery store and you're just yeah. like tossing it on people to help them have more and more. Mm-hmm. If it was only that easy. But that a concept, though, like if we think about it, okay, we can't throw fairy dust of oxytocin out, but, you know, we can look people in the eye more. We can help people not feel fear and adrenaline when Mm. we're having conversations with them or, you know, give people longer hugs or Mm. help people, you know, just a little bit more be conscious of oxytocin in our environments and in our relationship to help, you know. Throw I mean, out more we, oxytocin we focus a lot. I mean, in in our 
catechesis with Good Shepherd, we focus a lot on recognizing the gift, it, well, the many gifts mm. that God has surrounded us with. It's certainly something that um, young children are very good at mm. because they see with such eyes and we can see with their eyes. I mean, we can enjoy, as you said, Ruth, going out into the garden, you know, I mean, we're just surrounded with, you know, so much um, gifts. Yeah, gifts, love, loving gifts in, in creation, but we don't tend to think about it that way. How do we continue that? How do we help with with that? And that's similar to what you were saying, Ruth, about gratitude increases yeah. oxytocin. Mm -hmm. So being more like the young child whose natural prayer is gratitude. Mm -hmm. Right. It can increase oxytocin. So yeah, I mean, I've been just researching, you know, in my spare time. Like that's when I go <laughs> and I try to read more about oxytocin. But one of the things that I discovered, which I thought was so interesting, and of course I don't have a lot of information on, so maybe I shouldn't say it out loud. But they have this, like they've developed a like a nose spray that they sometimes use for different reasons but it it doesn't seem to work the same as it does when in the body when the body's producing mm, it yeah mm. that makes sense that it wouldn't you know and that just really goes to i be i believe that just goes to our humanity and our desire and vital need to be in relationship with each yeah. other yeah. you know so yeah you can maybe chemically make it but it's not just a chemical yeah. Exactly. I mean, you know, I mean, they use synthetic oxytocin for inducing labor and they use it for managing the delivery of the placenta. And so, mm -hmm. it, it, you know, it's been synthesized and used now probably for about 40 years odd years mm -hmm. for, for doing all of those things. But it does not replace love. <laughs> it cannot yes, replace yes. love. So it, it has the physiological, like for, for, for labor, it will do the physiological thing of um, contracting the uterus and, you know, expanding mm -hmm. the placenta. But it doesn't, I mean, women are often traumatized by that experience, actually. Mm -hmm. you know, they, they find it extremely painful. They struggle to bond with their babies afterwards because they haven't actually had, the, their bodies haven't had the opportunity to cultivate that true oxytocin. And so I think you're right, you know, it, even though it, it might chemically look like the same thing there's 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 another element there for it yeah. to you know truly be um yeah true oxytocin mm. right that's a beautiful thought that we yeah we can't replace the relationship we are relationship people mm. we as humans even if you are fed and changed and all the things that you need to physically survive but you don't have relationship mm. you you will not survive like we are relationship people we yeah. need oxytocin we need it from other people other beings from god Definitely. like yeah in order to thrive yeah i mean it's and it's a gift that we have access to um readily um so that yes. we can be in relationship with each other and in relationship with god i mean that's that's how he made us, mm -hmm. yeah. right? I mean, um, this morning, this morning's gospel was, "I know, I no longer call you slaves; I call you friends," right? And that's and that goes to this because he was saying, "Love one another as I have loved you," because mm -hmm. it is possible for us because we're made. I mean, you know, spiritually and intellectually, but also physically, in a very real and beautiful way to love each other. Mm -hmm. 
we were made to be in relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I think the other thing I keep coming back to, which like, I, I, I just want to go and think more, a whole lot more, or as you said, <laughs> Ruth, we could talk all day, you know, about <laughs> it is, it's just, um, one of my favorite um, chapters from Maria Montessori is the last chapter in Absorbent Mind, which is called Love at its, uh, the chapter is Love at its Source. Mm-hmm. And she speaks there, she writes about, you know, the nature of love and, and, and what it is. It's beautiful. But she goes on to say that, you know, we make a desert of strife and God continues to send us children like rejuvenating rain. Mm. I mean, I'm not quoting her exactly, but you know what I mean? Like it, that's, that's what they bring us. And that's what we live in such an amazing way with the birth of every child. Mm. And yet we don't, (laughs) we don't recognize the gift most mm-hmm. often mm. right. no, but you're absolutely right you know each each child each baby is is that um unique opportunity to just remember and 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 connect and um, i mean one of my favorite things is you know when i'm in the supermarket and they are um, babies and young children around is to connect with them and to be, you know, to just be reminded of the simplicity and of the joy. And yeah, I mean, obviously at the moment, you know, having these newborn nieces, my favorite thing is to just be able to sit and, and just, and it's not so much about, um, I mean, obviously I enjoy holding them mm-hmm. or holding one of them, but what's been really wonderful is to just sit and be present with mm you know, one of them and to just be, because that's what they are in that moment. It's just like absolute, pure, pure presence. And it's just time kind of disappears and, Mm. and it's just, it's just, it's, it's so simple. And it's just such a wonderful reminder of just slowing everything down and, and being able to do that. And that's why it's such a gift to be able to give that to mothers, because if they can, really just be there with their babies in that way you know they're both able to just um yeah be able to experience that it's 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 very holy it's very sacred yes Yes. i agree yeah well is there anything else that either of y'all want to lift up about oxytocin before we finish today you know um something sophia cavaletti had um written about in religious potential of the child you know, she she says that the child is in need of an infinite global love mm. and that the child finds that relationship, that love in their relationship with God, in their attachment with God. So it is, you know, this whole uh, conversation or this, this look at or this thinking of this gift we have in us, oxytocin, that can help us to build our relationships and, and live out a life of, of relationship with God and with each other. You know, that the child has such a great desire from, from the moment of birth, and they're given the gift, or they can be, if we care, if there's a prepared environment, if we help care for that moment then mm. this is looking at a lifetime of being able to do this. And like you said, Ruth, I'm, I, I'm not sure exactly how you said it, but it was beautiful. Like we'd be looking at a, a new humanity, mm. right? Like I, I forget exactly what you said. It was beautiful. Mm-hmm. And if you think about like what Ruth has lifted up about oxytocin and birth and post, right, immediately right. postpartum, 
as like a foundation for somebody's ability to have relationships because of the intense amount of oxytocin that exists at that point in life. Mm -hmm. Like she said, the highest ever. Man, like think about the possibility of how that affects your relationship with God, your relationship to bond with God. Mm. Um, So if we were to care for these moments better, especially in in thinking about oxytocin and how to foster it better. It's 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 a form of religious education. It's a form of spiritual education and spiritual. It's an education fostering. to life. Mm-hmm. It is an it's, education for life. It's so connected to what we do. It's mm-hmm. I, I feel like it's something that you just we have to sit and pray about because it's mm-hmm. it's bigger than us. Mm-hmm. Well, man, we could keep talking, but I think that. <laughs> <laughs> I think that we should finish and just I would, kind of sit I would with love this. to hear Ruth's, like, I would love for Ruth to just, whatever is, is on your heart, because you mm. are so precious, Ruth. So mm. is there any last words you have for us? Well, yeah, it just, it, it, it feels like such a huge topic on the one hand, and mm-hmm. on the other hand, it feels so simple. It feels so simple. And I think, it feels so huge because we know of the impact that it can have. And, you know, we also know that, you know, that I suppose the state of the world, you know, it can be, it can be very disheartening. And I think what I'm feeling right now, um, firstly, I feel very grateful for this opportunity to, to talk about this um, with you and, you know, and, and, and I feel very um, blessed that an organization like yours exists because I feel like, the fact that we have these pockets of humanity that are focused on cultivating the spiritual development of the child, that are, are, are focused on acts of kindness, you know, that are um, uh, wanting to cultivate more oxytocin in the world, it really brings me hope. And I think, um, yeah, I just feel really, really deep appreciation for that. And it, it you know, and it, it nourishes me in this moment. And as a result, it nourishes mm. my connection with my children and my family. And, 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 and that will have a ripple effect into my world. And so, yeah, I just, um, I mean, it's very much stream of consciousness what I'm sharing right now, but I'm, mm. I'm seeing actually at the same time how simple it is. And so thank you for that. Mm. <laughs> well, well, thank you, Ruth. Thank you thank so you, much. Ruth. Yes. I mean, the appreciation for you and the work that you're doing in the world um, brings us much joy. And we're so glad that we found each other. Yes. Right? <laughs> we can continue this conversation. Mm. And hopefully this, um, I want to, I don't know what to call it, like service to life. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know, M- ministry to life. You know, I don't, I'm not sure, but... I am very grateful to know of it and to delight in the pondering of it. Thank you. Thank you both so very much. Thank you all for listening to this week's episode of the Good Shepherd and the Child podcast. So in our show notes, you will find a link if you are interested in learning more about the basic needs of babies course that Ruth and Karen have available. I also have a link for Ruth's book that she wrote, The Basic Needs of a Woman in Labor. That is really wonderful. 
as well as Ruth's personal site, truemidwifery.com. Don't forget that you are able to submit questions for the podcast in order for us to answer them and help you in any way that we possibly can. We would love to hear from you and see if there's anything specific that you would like to hear about or that you are struggling with that you would like a seasoned catechist, a seasoned formation leader to answer for you on the podcast. There's a link to that in our show notes as well. We also have the audio version of the third edition of The Religious Potential of the Child by Sophia Cavaletti, read by Rebecca Reutsevich, um, available for purchasing. So if you would like to access that, in our show notes, I have some links to the step-by-steps on how to access that book. This podcast is sponsored by the United States Association of the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. We would like to thank all the contributing members because you are making this podcast possible. If you would like to know more about the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, or if you would like to become a member and support our work and have access to the member-only content that we provide, please go to cgsusa.org. Thank you all for listening. We will see you in two weeks. Go and fall more deeply in love with God.